Today on the Rundown South Podcast, I'm going to introduce you to the Madcap Movie Review Podcast. And since I was not able to record a brand new episode this week, I figured that this would be a good opportunity to go ahead and get you acquainted with my other podcast. And someday you'll see my other other podcast. But for now, let's get to this one. Y'all know what time? Uh. The mother guys ain't got no style. We know what's up before we go down. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the fans' voice. You hit them both cams. This what the people need and what they want now. This is the rundown. Yeah. What's happening? What up, though? What it do, folk? It's your homie, homie CL, and we are back live on the Rundown South Podcast. Gotta know that. And I'd like to thank you for joining me. However you're joining me, I do appreciate it. And we are coming to you live from ACL, Georgia. And I'm actually looking at the city right now, man. It's a beautiful view. Um, sitting up here with my girl, waiting on these babies to hatch. Uh, but while I'm waiting on them to hatch, coming to the world, I got to bring you some podcasts. And since I didn't have a podcast this week, didn't have a guest, had a few things come up. But most importantly, uh, I had a Spotify podcast planned and then a whole bunch of Spotify things happened. So I had to kind of just throw that one out. Uh, so I'm going to take this time to introduce you. To the Madcap Movie Review Podcast. It is a brand new pod that I am a part of. Me, my homie Derek, and my homie Sean, um, who actually came up with the idea for the pod himself, uh, all discuss some movies in depth. Um, we also had one young lady, Sherelle, who was part of the podcast at the beginning, but you know, life took her in a different direction. Just shout out to her. Uh, but for now, you know, she is on this episode that we're going to be previewing today uh, where we cover Eddie Murphy's Coming to America. Super, super, super classic that they're actually making a sequel to. And I'm kind of hyped to see what happens with it. Um, but we discuss all of that throughout the pod. But I really wanted to just take some time to let you know that you can get the Madcap Movie Review Podcast everywhere else that you can get the rundown. Um, but it may be soon coming to the rundown feed as well, uh, just in case you would like to just have everything in one place. But I do encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review to the Madcap Movie Review Podcast because all the support is needed. You know, one download is better than two. Even if you only listen to it once, it counts for us. So, if you do that, use a super real one. Um, but let's get into the podcast, and I will see you guys on the other side. Behold, Simi, life, real life, a thing that we have been denied for far too long. Good morning, my neighbors. Hey, fuck you. Yes, yes, fuck you too. Yeah, 
welcome to the Mad Cat Movie Review Podcast. I'm your host, CL. I'm Sean. I'm Derek. I'm Sherelle. And today we are going to talk about Coming to America, the 1988 American romantic comedy film directed by John Landis based on a story originally created by Eddie Murphy, who also starred in the lead role. The film also co-stars Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, Sherry Headley, and John Amos. The first installment in the Coming to America film series it was released on June 29th, 1988. Eddie Murphy plays Akeem Jaffer, the crown prince of the fictional African nation of Zamunda, who travels to the United States in hopes of finding a woman that he can marry. The movie was written by Eddie Murphy, David Sheffield, and Barry Blostein. If you look at Eddie Murphy's career, of uh, David Sheffield and Blostein has been two guys who've been with him since SNL, and they really understand Eddie Murphy. Those guys really know how to capture him. As a matter of fact, I watched an interview with Sheffield and he said that he was the only writer at SNL who could write for Buckwheat. Mm. So that puts a lot of context as you can see like, yeah, yeah. he gets it. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned previously, John Landis directed the film, but his wife is the one who did the costume designs, Deborah Landis, and she is white. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give us some juice because you know if you want to try to discredit her, they're actually going to be putting her drawings for the costumes in an African history museum. So she's white but cultured. Cultured. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay, she can come to the cookout. All right. <laughs> and just to throw a couple more facts in there before we start going hard about the, the movie. Paula Abdul did the choreography for the opening scene. Um, I know that's kind of well known more now, but back then I didn't know that. Mm. And then know that's oh the lady from American Idol did that. Like that's crazy. Deborah Landis did say that she got all of the style for the costumes and everybody's wardrobe from Gambia, Senegal, and Scotland. And I'm gonna tell you why I noticed that there was some European influence was because the Zamunda flag has a crest on it. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know is African countries do not have crests. That is a European thing. That is correct. And I was almost going to nitpick that, but then when I did my research and when she said that, it's like, okay, it's made up. I'm, I'm just going to have to let that slide. This <laughs> is the name of the movie. We're going to let this go. Now, just to start off, I guess, Sean, you being the movie guy, man, you tell me when you think about coming to America, man, how does it make you feel? Coming to America is just one of those films that just brings you joy. I watch this movie like it's the first time every time I see it. The first thing that sticks out to me always is the cast. And you you dropped a few names already, but you know, there's just so many people that you didn't name, like Paul Bates, uh, right. Eric LaSalle, Vonda Curtis Hall, who had a small role, Sam Jackson, Fancy from Jamie Foxx. Uh, that's her name. I don't care what her government say. Her name is Fancy. <laughs> and then I think I stood up like Eddie Murphy at the basketball game when I saw this movie when my two guys from Trading Places showed up. That was yeah. good. When Ralph Bellamy around. and Don Amici stood up. I mean, what came up in the film, playing the roles from Trading Places. We saw that they were homeless and broke down now. So, yeah, man, just a cat. Oh, and I'll be remiss to say Madge Sinclair, who plays Eddie Murphy's mom in the film. Just amazing, amazing performer. We lost her way, way too soon. 
Definitely wish she was around. But the cast sticks out to me first, man. And just watching every scene, every comedy bit, just the small roles. Samuel Jackson, uh, Louis Anderson, just playing the random worker in McDowell's, unintentionally being funny as hell, you know? So it's just one of those films that just brings you joy every time you watch it. Mr. Randy Watson. Let me stop. I'm going to (laughs) start. About to run through the whole joint. We're going to pick our best quotes and and best Eddie Murphy's and best characters. We're going to get into that but yeah shout out to like a bunch of black greats all in this movie at the same time in an early era because like i said the movie came out in 88 probably one of the earliest sightings of sam jackson Mm -hmm. Uh, james earl jones like darth vader himself Mm -hmm. he's the father yeah (laughs) literally and they actually have a a darth vader easter egg i know you know it sean they do Coming to America, it truly, truly is such a gem. Like Sean was saying, I, every time I watch it, like I, I'm watching it for the first time. Usually, that, that's, re- that's a really hard thing for me to do, to go ahead and watch a movie, go back and watch a movie a second, a third, or a fourth time. But coming to America, never had that issue. I know you guys dropped a little fun facts, but this is like the first time where you're seeing Gooding Jr. in film. Getting that good old haircut and you know whatnot. And did y'all know that that McDonald's was actually a Wendy's in Queens? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I often think just how how things would have changed if it was actually a Wendy's coming America. I love it. it gives me thrills each time. Yo, I heard that that Cuba Gooding Jr. scene was supposed to be longer and it got cut. He. I don't know. There's some interaction between him and the barber and what was the barber's name? Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> Clarence and Clarence chopped a patch in his head. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> but they ended up cutting it. I know that it probably had to be disappointing to Cuba because Cuba don't do nothing in the role. He just uh, he's just sitting in the chair with that big ass Kool Aid smile this on his face. Oh, dead <laughs> ass! I'm sitting there like my man was sitting there for a good minute and getting nary a haircut off his damn head. So he's just sitting there looking just as clueless, <laughs> just just a smiling. <laughs> you know, that is so wild, man. It's like who who would have ever thought we would be like you know 20 years later, Cuba Gooding Jr. That guy. And then, mm-hmm. okay. like, you know, Sam Jackson, motherfucker, like, like <laughs> just like throw away people in the movie, kind of mm-hmm. just like you in a half a C. Come to find out, you was great. You just yeah, just think about it. These these were Sam Jackson's first cuss words on film. The most look, prolific cusser <laughs> to ever do it. <laughs> and look at him now. <laughs> for you to put the weapon down. Who the fuck is this asshole? Please refrain from using any further obscenities in the presence of these people. What? I've warned you. I'll be forced to thrash you. Fuck you! 
freeze you diseased rhinoceros pizzle. All right, Derek, what, what, how, how did the movie make you feel, man? All right, for me, being in, I'm from Queens, that movie makes me feel so nostalgic because it's so real. Like, it hits me mm. in the heart. Like, you go out in New York all happy in the street, somebody went, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so real. <laughs> you go out there smiling and screaming and all singing or whatever. They're like, Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> but you can't do any of that to this day. So, what, well, this movie came out, what, 88? Yeah. And that's still real now. In 2020, oh, it's still like that. So that, oh, that movie just makes me feel kind of nostalgic for my beat up old Queens neighborhood. Cause that, that's what it looked like, you know, bunch mm -hmm. of blown out buildings and that mess all over the place and people just mad as hell all the damn time for no good reason. <laughs> no. Hey, Queens got a lot of common places. Yeah, we got a lot of common places, man. It's all good. It's coming up, though. It's coming up, though. Everybody got pushed out of Manhattan and Brooklyn, so they done came to Queens to try to build it up. So <laughs> we on the way up right now. Yes, I can see that, man. New York is crazy. Like, all right, real quick, though. When they went in for the gear and they came out all New York buttoned up and stuff, like, has anybody ever did anything like that? Yeah, that's how you spot the tourists. If you that's what I was about to say. If you see somebody in New York wearing something, like back then anyway, if you saw someone in New York in Manhattan wearing something that said New York on it, you knew they was a tourist. Like, it was that simple. God help you, you got one of them buttons on or something. That's like what that. I was about to say. You're that's officially the thing. a mark. That's Your the thing that sticks out. That big ass button. I'm like, y'all trying to fit in, but you got these big ass buttons on you. <laughs> That's the part that I was missing. Somebody calling them out on looking like tourists. They missed them getting robbed because they had all that on. I mean, because yeah. that, that's normally what would have happened. Okay. Especially the way Manhattan was back then. Right. But they get they got robbed early on with their stuff, you know. So I guess that's, that's real too. That's that, that's real too. You you think you leaving something outside in New York? We used to be like, you ain't down south. This ain't the country. You can't, be, <laughs> you can't go into a corner store for five seconds and leave your bike outside and think it's still gonna be there. Okay. Like I'm not even a thief, right? But even now, because I came up from New York. I'll, I'll be walking so when I see somebody leave a bike outside, I'm like, man, that would be so easy to steal that right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even steal stuff. It's just, it's just you know a, how it go down. You just know how it goes down. But yeah, it makes me feel real nostalgic, man. Happy, all of that. Man. I, I watched this movie probably probably like a hundred times, to be honest with you. Damn, that's commitment. It, it, it's just love, man. That's love. It's <laughs> true love. Now that I, I forgot that you were from Queens for a second, and then it just was right. Mr. Jamaican Queens. I wanted to say Southside Jamaican Queens, but that's 50. But that's where I'm from, though. <laughs> Southside Jamaican. Okay, then. Yeah. Now, I'm going to lean on you on some of this stuff, because I, I, I want a little more insight. Now, we have an expert. You know, this, this now that this podcast has a little more, bit more depth to it. Thought we were just talking movies because we watched it a whole bunch of times. We got arrested. I like that feeling. With me coming to America, it may be my favorite movie because I literally can watch it more than any other movie. And I think it's really because of two things. For one, I love seeing Eddie Murphy play different characters. Mm -hmm. and that really stems from him being at SNL and really flexing that there. So bringing that SNL writer into this movie, it's like, let's do some SNL stuff on the screen and see how that works. And they pulled it off flawlessly. I 
I really love Arsenio Hall in this movie. Maybe one of my favorite B characters ever in a movie. I don't think anybody has quite been able to do that the same because like I was generally entertained by everything Arsenio was doing, not yeah. just appreciating, but he had my attention just as much as Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And even though this movie is about Eddie Murphy, that's a hard task to do. So I really had an affection for the way he delivered that part. And then the fact that this is a rom-com, a black rom-com in 1988, in 2020, I have so much more appreciation for that mm-hmm. because they're not as good. I'm just going to say that. That's not right now. They're just not as good. I was trying to be diplomatic. I tried to find some other words to say it, but no. You ain't got to do that. They're just not as good right now. If you just think about a lot of the modern rom-coms, they don't have the same charm. They don't really have the same real funny. A lot of the times it's forced. Like everything in this movie just works. That's why it's so rewatchable to me. So I never get tired of it. I'm a big fan of the writing. I could just tell like everybody was kind of in a zone at that time. I feel like Eddie Murphy could just... He was just hitting threes all day. It didn't matter what shots he was putting up. It seemed like everything was just working. And, I mean, just looking at everything around it from, you know, Boomerang after trading places. Mm -hmm. The dude was lit back then. And he was super young. I Mm -hmm. think we did that too. Like, dude wasn't even 30 yet and had hits. So, I guess. Yeah, before we go, go I just wanted to touch in on that Arsenio point that you made. Like, I think. A lot of people get wrapped up in Eddie playing so many roles in the film. They forget Arsenio played just as many. Yeah. And he was just as good in the roles that he played. Reverend Brown. You know, I didn't come here to preach to you today. But you know, when I look at these contestants for the Miss Black Awareness pageant, I feel good. I feel good because I know there's a God somewhere. There's a God somewhere. Turn around, ladies, for me, please. You know there's a God who sits on high and looks down low. Man cannot make it like this. Larry Flint, Hugh Hefner, they can take the picture, but they can't make it. Only God above, the Hugh Hefner on high, can make it for you. Apparently, these are the best women Queens has to offer. Pick one and let's go home. Be patient, my friend. Do you love him? Do you feel joy? Say joy. 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 Can I get a amen? Don't be ashamed to call his name. Yes, Lord. Only God can give that woman the kind of joy she has right there. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I am very happy to be here. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Can I get an amen? Yes. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise the name. Lord, Lord. That was a and it, I'm just amazed that Arsenio didn't get more opportunity to do film because I don't think a lot of people realize he did come into America and then Harlem Nights um, when he played Reggie, the dude that was crying all the time. <laughs> 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 like that came out right as his show came out. And then after that, he really didn't do any more film. Well, they say he pissed off the wrong people. 
when he had uh, Louis Farrakhan on his show. Oh, okay. They yeah. say after after that, like that was pretty much the end of him. I think hmm. it was Louis Farrakhan. There was there was somebody they told him not to have on, and he bought their asses on anyway. And I think it was Far- Louis Farrakhan. I could be wrong, but I think hmm. it was him. And after that, that that was it. Okay. Show was gone. He was gone. Like it was all over. But but not for nothing. His secondary characters, I feel like he played them better than Eddie played his. That's how good he was. Mm-hmm. You can make a strong point. Rand- Randy Watson was cool. You know, the Jewish barbershop. That reverend. <laughs> and even the small part that it was, Arsenio playing the ugly black chick <laughs> in, in, the, in the club. I hope you don't mind me coming over and sitting down. But I've been watching you all evening. And I want to tear you apart. And your friend too. Just just yeah. hilarious. Just a lot hilarious. of skill, man. That dude had a lot of skill. I, I I really applaud him for being able to be so I guess like being able to bounce off Eddie like that in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, whichever way Eddie was going, he right there. They was man, they were so perfect. Just Jordan and Pippen, but it's like almost like Dwayne Wade and LeBron more like because they're throwing alley-oops to each other. Mm-hmm. So I guess we could start by talking about the beginning of the movie. It's probably one of the most memorable scenes just because it really sets in universe that is just outright ridiculous for anybody, let alone royalty. Mm-hmm. Getting someone to wake him up, you know, put his clothes on, wash him, wipe him, you know, the, the famous line, the royal penis is clean, your highness. That that sigh that he lets out at the end. <sighs> I was like, what was that? How okay. was your penis being clean, sir? <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a happy ending at the end of Had to. Had so. to. There wasn't no soap on that rack. No. <laughs> no, no soap on that rack. That's but, you know, here, here's what I like. My man had a whole orchestra that woke him up. Like, that's your alarm clock. Yeah. My oh, man got woke up by an orchestra and got flowers, excuse me, rose petals okay. to walk on. Right. That 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 was just patently ridiculous. Like, I don't <laughs> know what idea was it, but it's like, what is the most overtop thing we could do for an alarm clock? <laughs> Let's get a multi-piece orchestra and put it in the background. <laughs> Once we get to the point where it's time for him to eat, were you expecting that he was closer to his parents? I wasn't. You didn't think Only, so? I mean, I had seen other films where rich folks ate meals and they With were the far apart. Didn't see the intercom, but I think that my first exposure to that was uh, Batman. So I don't okay. know, uh, 1989 Batman, Michael Keaton, when he had Vicky Vale over for dinner, had his big long ass table. Just like the Joffers did, Michael Keaton was on one end, she was on the other, and they were literally yelling at each other. So I can't say I expected it, but I wasn't surprised either. Okay, that was on the top. Sherelle, what did you think? Did did you expect that? I did. I did expect them to be that far because they had to be dramatic. Okay. Go ahead and build me up to this overthrowing rose petals as he's walking. We're waking him up. We're washing 
penises and then expect to be so close to mom and dad. No, that's baby boy. That's the prince. He's the head of his own <laughs> long ass table at the end. So yeah, it seemed right. It seemed fitting. Okay. I don't know how I would have felt if he was extra close to them and I guess that would have been normal. There we go. It would have been too normal for mm-hmm. everything they they did a build up for. Okay. All right. Well, for me, I, I didn't expect it one way or the other, to be honest with you. Now, I, this is the first time I thought about it was when you mentioned it just now. You know, mm-hmm. as many times as I've seen that movie, it's literally never crossed my mind. But as I'm thinking about it right now, I guess it makes sense. Like, I get it. If everything's going to be over the top, you got royal penis scrubbers, you got ass wipers. You know, you got a toothbrusher that only brushed half of the teeth in his mouth, but okay. you know, and the dude to help him gargle. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Like, <laughs> I get all of that, you know. So, yeah, I, I could expect that now that I'm thinking about it. It fits in line with the stereotypical movie rich person, right? Okay, so the, the point I'm gonna make is within five minutes of this movie, they completely built out one of the most ridiculous and greatest premises for a movie I have ever even considered because we've all seen rich people have things on the screen. And in order for him to get to the point where he needs to leave Zamunda to go to America, it has to be exhausting. (laughs) And that's the thing that I noticed. I was like, this dude is exhausted by this process every single day, interacting with all these different people. And the dude is like, I just want to chill. Can I just, you know, sit back, read a book, you know, sit in my tub, you know, like he just seemed like he wanted to chill. Like but he just wanted chill. some privacy. Yeah. Like do his own thing. Yeah. Like he wants to wipe his own ass. Like who? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, of course, I can't relate to being royal, but I can understand when it's like when you are in the like a lifestyle where you have something going on around you all the time. And you just want a little time to yourself. Like, that was very relatable mm-hmm. within the first five minutes. Like, I can really understand why you need to get out of this situation. Mm-hmm. And just to add to your point, just to get to a, a position where he can make a decision for himself. Because you can, you know all of that was tradition, even right down to having a wife prepared for him. You know, room mm-hmm. since birth. So every bit of his day in existence was already decided for him. Even what was the suggestion that he made? Could he go to the bathroom by himself? Yep. <laughs> like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Nice my man, twenty. My man, twenty-one years old, and ain't never went to the bathroom by himself. <laughs> hey, why you on it? Well, you mentioned uh, the the bride that was prepared for him. I'm wondering how long would it take y'all to get tired of someone who was like that bride who was prepared for him with everything you ask him is whatever you like, whatever you like. In that very moment. Well, I asked you because I had an ex-girlfriend who this was her favorite movie and Mm -hmm. I didn't know she was doing this. She just was in a mood. I guess she had just watched the movie. So Mm -hmm. I came home and I was like, hey, what's for dinner? She's like, whatever you like. I was like, what you want to do today? (laughs) Whatever you like. What you trying to do? Like, whatever. <laughs> she literally <laughs> did that joint for like an hour. She did that joint for like a good hour. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's roll with this. <laughs> I just let it go. How far this can go. Hell yeah. So I'm like, yeah, how, how far would you really take it? Like, I'm about to say, go to Sean, give me, you said a minute. Like, why? What, what, why, 
why within the first minute would you get tired of it? Because if I'm thinking from Prince Hakeem's standpoint, I've already had this life that's so exaggerated, so thought out. I don't want to say well thought out. So thought out. It's been placed on you. Everything's decided for you. Like his whole being is wanting to make decisions for himself and do things that interest him. And then he gets this wife who now only wants to do everything that he wants to do. But he's also, because of his experience, no. Like, what do you like? What do you want to do? So I could see in that moment why he wasn't for it. But then me personally, if I was going through this in my life, like, I don't want no woman who just wants to do everything that I want to do. You know, I want to be exposed. I like people who expose me to different thoughts, you know, different opinions, different experiences. And if you don't have no framework for yourself and just want to do what I want to do, talk about what I want to talk about, then eh, I'll pass. You right. sure? <laughs> you know, want to do this? I know. Like, you know, you really, I was like, eh, I'm like, down. Do <laughs> I mean, you you essentially in your own head, basically all the time, because you know, in a, I guess, like in a regular situation, you would be doing all the thinking, and that's that could be tiring. Yeah, having to do all the thinking in a relationship because you don't have any thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, I get tired of it. Yeah. Ew. Yo. <laughs> I get that, but you can have a whatever you like Wednesday, something like that. Once I mean, a month. yeah, once a yeah, month. Once a while. Yeah. But every day, 24-7, 365. Oh, nah, nah. nah, I can't do see, it. I gave it a good hour. I got a good hour in. Oh, hours nothing. Uh, but a whole lifestyle of it? Nah, okay, miss me with that. I mean, you could tell he was over it from, from jump. I mean, otherwise he, he was playing with her when he told her to bark like a dog. He's like, fuck this. I'm not for it. But hey, while I'm here, let's have some fun. Bark like a dog. Ever since I was born, I've been trained to serve you. Yes, I know this. But I would like to know about you. What do you like to do? Whatever you like. (laughs) What kind of music do you like? Whatever kind of music you like. Look, I know what I like. And I know you know what I like because you were trained to know what I like. But I would like to know what you like. For instance, do you have a favorite food? Yes. Good! What is your favorite food? Whatever food you like. Are you saying that no matter what I tell you to do, you will do? Yes, Your Highness. Anything I say you do? Yes, Your Highness. Bark like a dog. Arf! 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 A big dog. Woof, 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 Hop on one leg. Woof, 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 Make a noise like an orangutan. Ah, I see the two of you are getting along. Excuse me, buddy, for a moment. Then Pops comes in. Oh, you're getting to know yourself. I know all that, all that stuff was kind of quick moving, but did y'all really think that she was going to bark? I ain't yeah. like, think the, she was. the first time I watched this movie, 
when he said bark like a dog, I was like, nah, that's that's a rap. She ain't gonna do it. Next thing I know, Earth, Earth. I'm like, wow. <laughs> She's gonna break out a character on that. Like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not doing this. Shout she out. like a dog. She marked like two different types of dogs. Okay. Oof. They Oof. caught me how cute her little bark was. Yo, yeah. it was. <laughs> it was the cutest little bark. I, she had no bass, like no scratch in the voice, no. nothing. It was just, just no. soft. <laughs> I was like, Whoa. if I'm in Akeem's shoes, the even the thought process that when he he already knew he wanted love. Yeah. Before that moment. And the moment that she didn't actually have real affection, he couldn't have it. Mm-hmm. So it really didn't even matter. But he was just like, are you serious? It's like, <laughs> I don't take you serious. I don't think you're actually going to do it. I don't think he believed that she was going to bark until she barked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I say that Eddie Murphy said, think with your head and not with your balls, the most <laughs> eloquent way that I've ever heard in my life up until that point. My man said, I want a woman who revived with me intellectually, not with my loins. Okay. I was like, yeah, damn, that's another word for penis. Bars. Uh, <laughs> I connected. That it's might like, be damn. the first time I heard the word loins. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it. Hey, Joe, it was the wor- first time I heard the word loins. <laughs> That's an old school ass word, man. Nobody <laughs> talk about loins anymore. <laughs> right? So shout out to, you know, all the loins out there. <laughs> all out the loins getting washed on this Sunday morning. Oh. <laughs> loins getting washed, all right. <laughs> Throughout the movie, Let's just pick a favorite scene. And if it's like a sequence, I'll let it slide. I'm not going <laughs> to hold you to just like one scene because sometimes two things do go together and I'm just, I'm going to let it slide. So, Can we do two scenes? Yeah, I was about to say, I got two scenes because one of them is not serious. One of them is just being a young boy, a young horny boy, seeing, seeing a little fine lady um, oh, just do a thing. Tub. What'd you say? Come out of the tub. Yeah, nah, that ain't even it, bro. The, the black like, awareness pageant. <laughs> not even that, bro. Like Allison Dean played Patrice, the younger daughter. Oh, you mm. talking about the fast one? When she was, yeah. when she, when she was dancing, yeah. I was like, damn. Go ahead, y'all remember that scene that she was dancing? Yeah. Uh, and then that's when what did he buy yeah. her? A watch or Ear, something? Wa- or? Uh, earrings, earrings or something like that. But that yeah. little dance she did right there, yeah, I was like, okay. For a, single, for, for, for a single digit age young boy. Like, okay, I feel you. That's the forbidden dance. <laughs> yeah, she was going hard though. She was. You know, and everybody. Anybody could get. Anybody Ooh. could. Mm. Yeah, man. It was Prince adjacent. Dude. First it was a king, then it was Sammy, then it was uh Eric LaSalle. She just wanted to hop up on something. Yeah, I couldn't figure out if she was like a 1980s version of a thought, a clout chaser, a, a gold digger, or just a horrible ass sister. Oh, <laughs> like, she was trying to take take her sister's shit. man at the end. Oh, <laughs> like, that oh, shit. Yeah, she she was all the above. <laughs> she just she definitely would have been thirst trapping on Instagram in 2020. <laughs> oh, she would. She would. Yeah, she she was a, a freaking ahead of her time. That's what it was, man. She a was freak. innovative ahead of her time. He trying to jerk off Hakeem at the St. John's game under his coat. <laughs> yes! 
But all right, Zai. Now is that was that, that, ain't, that, my, that ain't my favorite that moment? That's that, just that ain't, that ain't, that ain't my scene. Before we go forward, I want to make sure Sean lets y'all know that that is his honorable. That is, yeah, that is not my favorite scene. I just, <laughs> you know, I was just being a young boy seeing some skinny ass. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> um, God, man, it is so hard to pick one, but. I would say the barbershop. Damn, that is another good one. Just the, the barbershop. The whole Martin Luther King. <laughs> Not Martin Luther King. Martin Luther the King. Don't know no man ain't no Martin Luther King ever been in here. Can you make my hair look like this? Oh man, what you wanna make your hair look like that for? Well, I like the way you wear your hair. Wear it natural. That's good, man. You know, I wish more of the young children today would wear their hair natural like Dr. Martin Luther King did. That's right. You ain't never seen Dr. Martin Luther King with no message Jerry Curl on his head. Ain't that right? Amen. Dr. King ain't come walk around like that. You know, sweet, I met Dr. Martin Luther King once. And you lying. You ain't never met Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, I met Dr. Martin Luther King in 1962 in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, just walking off, feeling good. I walk around the corner, man woke up, hit me in my chest, right? I fall on the ground, right? And I look up at Dr. Martin Luther King. I said, Dr. King. He said, oops, I thought you were somebody else. Oh, man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther the King. Knocked the wind out of me. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. I would say, yo, that that was probably, that sticks out, the barbershop scene. I'm going to rock with that one. I'm going to rock with that one. I love the way, was Eddie Murphy's barber? Was it Clarence? Was that yeah. his name, Clarence? Yeah. So yeah. I love the way Clarence just, like, the ultimate storyteller in that movie. He's that dude you know telling stories, but you know they're lying. Yeah. But they're so, but they so good oh, at telling man. the story, you just let them rock because it's mean. just entertaining. See, so when Martin Luther King opened me up and popped my chest, you know, and this, that, and the other. Dude. <laughs> like, Frank Sinatra sat down in the chair. Like, come on, Joe man. Lewis. Joe Lewis was <laughs> 176 years old. <laughs> he was killing Oh, me. dude. But I blame, you know, we talked earlier about Sam Jackson, you know, saying his first cuss words in this film. But it was truly Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's fault. Well, Eddie Murphy and a little bit of Martin Lawrence that I started cuss the way I did. But look, when Clarence was like, man, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Who's next? <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> So, of course, my first is when they just now getting there to New York. He has to go out on the balcony and he hisses with the, the morning neighbors. Fuck you. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the most New York shit that happened in a fucking movie. <laughs> That's real. I was like, yo, this, this, this is going to be around for a while because to the <laughs> Day. seen this movie years ago to this day i'm quick to reference that point now i'm gonna say my second one supposed to be one but i'm extra so my second is right and the king and the queen they come you know after is it semi semi right semi yeah so semi done snitch now he the snitch movie. he just asks for money he snitched. <laughs> now, no, he dad, for money. now, daddy and mommy want to see what the fuck is going on. <laughs> the fuck is going on here? Is it a million dollars? Is it too much? Yeah, his fuck up was asking for that much money. You don't think that's a bit much? No. She's like, no. Not at all. <laughs> okay, Good. and so everyone's in a fucking tizzy about this. Uh, 
father's defending his daughter, and I, it's so damn random. But because I'm a pet lover, I noticed. Y'all didn't notice little fluffy, like looking back and forth, the cameos of the dog. Yeah. Going back and forth between everyone arguing and you're just like, what's going on? Well, what's this going on? I'm like, how the fuck did they make sure this little intricate ass detail would like stand out for me? And those are my two favorites. I know you have been inconvenienced and I'm prepared to compensate you. Shall we say one million American dollars? No way. Very well then, two million. You haven't got enough money to buy my daughter off. Nonsense. Joffy, apologize to Mr. McDowell. I will do no such thing. The man is beneath me, and so is his daughter. I don't give a damn who you are. This is America, Jack. Now, you say one more word about Lisa here, and I'm going to break my foot off in your royal ass. A damn dog. Yo, you got to go back and <laughs> <laughs> Honey was giving us all the faces, all the reactions you wanted in that scene. Yo, that saying. dog was on it. Like, <laughs> that dog turned into, like, a killer when uh, the boyfriend showed oh, back yeah. up. See, I thought Sherelle, I thought you were gonna talk about that moment when what is, what was his name? Was it Cleo and the Queen? Mm-hmm. When they had that little connected moment. I don't know about y'all, but when they connected, I was like, man, they go Kunta getting his girl back. That was a roots moment for me. Kunta and Belle back together again. <laughs> I'm not doing this with you. They, they have a couple of roots nods in the movie. <laughs> See, they did. Even at the Don end. Amos I know. Yeah. Was in roots. He played yeah. Kunta Kinte. Yeah. You know? And she but played his wife. Roots I didn't realize that. She played his wife? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Even at the end, like the very last, the last scene of this movie is them two giving each other like that. Yeah, I'm going to fuck you tonight. Look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna knock you back. Like loose. that's how the movie ended. All right, I'm gonna get y'all too. Uh, my first one is the club scene. Now, the club scene for me was was funny as hell because for one, the fashion of the '80s always makes me laugh. Like everybody's walking around there looking like football players with all that padding in the shoulders yes. <laughs> <laughs> in their power suits. Like they're about to go suit up for the Giants or something like that, you know. And the second one, because one of the girls that they were trying to talk to, it hit a little close to home to me when she was like, yeah, I'm almost single. My, my boyfriend's on death row or something like that. <laughs> that one hit close to home for me because when I was in college, I met a girl and she ain't tell me at the time, but she had a boyfriend in jail for attempted murder. Woo! <laughs> so, <laughs> and she had a kid, right? And this my thing about not dating women with kids as well, but she had a kid by the dude and she, I went over to her house to kick it, and she was like, yeah, you know, I just want to let you know ahead of time that if somebody stopped by, don't even trip. It's just my ex-boyfriend. He'd be sending his people over to the house to, you know, to check to check on me or whatever. I'm like, what you mean? What? Like, yeah, he in jail. I was like, for what? It's like, attempted murder. I'm like, what? You ain't want to tell me this before I came over? Like, what about these friends? Like, yeah, I mean, lads what I was seeing, they, they kind of fucked them up, but I got this. Don't even worry about this. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, yo, you know what? We're going to set something up for next week. I'm going to holler at you. <laughs> I go it's like, have show. a nice night. Right? Thank you. So that, that one hit close to home for me. The homegirl talk about her. She got the boyfriend in jail or whatever on death row. So I was like, that one was personal for me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> on a lighter note, can I ask you something real quick? Oh, yeah. Like, about 
the I just want to know if this this scene was like legit New York when Frankie Faison was bringing them into the uh, duplex for the first time and old buddy just fell down the steps. Like, is that some real New, New York shit? I feel okay. like it is. If you in the hood, if you going into the projects or something like that, yeah, you're going to see people all spilled out on the stairs. It's in the hallways. You know, like if you went, you scared to take the elevator because if the lights go out, somebody's going to start swinging. It get crazy in there. Yeah. I just had to throw that in there because I just feel like that's some New York shit to throw your ass down a flight of steps just because you can't pay your rent. <laughs> yeah that is some new york shit because like real talk as i got older it was it's such new york shit that me and my boy used to joke around about yo we gotta get this tuition paid so let's go go throw ourselves down the flight of steps. <laughs> we used to joke about that we seek meager accommodations excuse me we require a room that is very poor hey Stu. Your rent's due, motherfucker. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Are you conscious? Shoot. Yo, my other one is the Black Awareness Pageant because it introduced me to two of my favorite characters in the movie. Okay. Uh, Randy Watson. Yes. You know, the leader of sexual chocolate. Okay. You know, because I love at the end of it. You know, to this day, sometimes when I'm hyped up and I'm in the club, you know, I'll be like, sexual chocolate. You know, after, <laughs> afterwards, I, if I'm feeling myself and I'm dancing, I will literally stomp on the floor just like he did and scream it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my own personal callback. <laughs> I want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Big round of applause for Jackson Heights' own Mr. Randy. Watson, yes, Randy Watson. <laughs> that boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. And Reverend Brown, two years for the Reverend. This man's been my Reverend since I was a little boy, and I love him dearly. You're a very special man, Reverend Brown. Reverend Brown. It feels so lovely to be here tonight. What a beautiful lot. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're so lovely. Everyone's so lovely. And um. While you're in the clapping mood, I'd like to give a big round of applause to my band, Sexual Chocolate. Sexual Chocolate. They play so fine, don't you agree? I believe the children are our future. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense. Pride. Make it easier. Some of the good stuff, right? Coming up. Want a Coke? Join the show? <laughs> Enjoy, young man. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, you can't take away my dignity. Called the 
damn that boy can sing. You must be crazy. He good. You must be crazy. And and, <laughs> and I love the way the Reverend over there. All, he got all this this panel of ass in front of him talking about how God did that. Said, God put these women up here in these string bikinis. Oh, horny <laughs> ass. Me- he trying to put all this on God, all this nakedness <laughs> you know, and, and sexual stuff going on on the stage. He's trying to attribute that to, to the Lord. And I love every bit of that. So th- those are my two favorite scenes. That boy good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, I think that scene might have the most quotables. Yes. Besides the barbershop, but like that had I quote that scene daily. Sock you up with a biscuit. <laughs> uh, like you said, that boy good. The stomp off. Oh, good and I terrible. Mean, uh, <laughs> I've used good and terrible a lot. Good and terrible. What's the damn? I'm trying to think what's the other one Watson had, but but man, it's it's. I just love that scene so much. I ain't gonna lie, bro. Like I, I'm hard pressed not to go to any other scene <laughs> because uh, Arsenio really kills that scene. He is the 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 glue for that scene. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even like the intro to bringing in Randy Watts, you know, the perfect MC. And I felt like that's the most hood shit ever. I'm just gonna say that outright. Like having the Raven come do the beauty pageant and call it black awareness, like all at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> it's like the most hood shit I think anybody ever thought of in a movie. I, I have not seen anything outdone it. While we right here, I'm curious to, to see like how they're going to attempt to bring any of that back together in coming to America with the number two, which is in post-production right now. Because he's the David Sheffield said uh, that all the characters are coming back, so mm-hmm. I would love to see if the Revan is still kicking. Please let I, oh he I got to he got to be, but he said everybody coming back. But I know that was the actors, but I don't know about the characters. So mm-hmm. I just want to throw that out there: um, everybody who's still alive is coming back. Um, yes, of course. Yeah, somebody you know, somebody out there don't know. There of are course. a few people who have passed away. Man, that that one is hard for me to get give uh give up because that's that's probably one of my favorite scenes as well. It's, man, y'all picking two, and I want to pick a different one, but I will say the within the barbershop, the the fighter one, the Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis, mm-hmm. because that's such a real barbershop thing. Yep, oh, enough. Like that was so authentic and then the fact that they was these old men talking about stuff they knew they had no idea what they were talking about they were just saying stuff totally 137 years old like come on man that nigga said i asked frank sinatra frank how like come on bro you do not know frank sinatra ain't no way (laughs) hell you gonna be in this barbershop and you know frank sinatra you must be out of your goddamn mind joe lewis the greatest box ever lived i'll be with you boys in a minute he was bad at catching clay he bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that? You, the new boy. Mike, Mike, Mike Tyson look like a bulldog. He bad in him, too. He done whipped Mike Tyson's ass. He whipped all their asses. What about Rocky Marciano? Oh, there it go. There it go. Every time I start talking about boxing, a white man got to pull Rocky Marciano out their ass. That's the one. That's the one. Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't shit. He bit Joe Lewis's ass. That's right, he did whoop your little ass. 
Joe Lewis was 75 years old when they fought. I don't know how old he was, but he got an ass whooped. Joe Lewis had come out of retirement to fight Rocky Marciano. The man was 76 years old. Joe Lewis always lied about his age. He lied about his age all the time. One time, Frank Sinatra comes out here and sat down in this chair. And I said, Frank, you hang out with Joe Lewis. Just between me and you, how old is Joe Lewis? You know what Frank told me? He said, hey, Joe Lewis, 137 years old. 137 years old. Oh, man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? Like, I love that scene to death. And then the fact that, you know, going back, because I'm such an Eddie Murphy fan, that, like, that's the first time he started doing the multi-character things with the mm-hmm. makeup. And that kind of became a thing later on. You know, I just had a little bit more appreciation because I'm like, oh, you should have just kept it like that. Like, yeah. that Norbert shit, you could have kept that. Like, that was what? Get back to this. Like, just being old dudes. I, I will say that's probably my one of my favorite scenes just to pick one a little bit different. I wanted to ask y'all who was y'all favorite characters throughout the movie. What I want to say, who was your favorite non-Eddie Murphy slash Arsene <laughs> Hall character? That's the way he do it. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I can't really like, we're going to put them in their own category. We all talked about who we liked as far as Eddie and, and Arsenio, but I, like supporting cast of course, we got John Amos with the McDowell's flipping the burgers with one hand and saying, I got it. Then moving on to showing them how to mop. That was very against health codes. I'm just going to say it that. was very, <laughs> like that was terrible. He did a very good job of being somebody who was definitely just like King Jopper trying to marry his daughter off into riches and keep her royal. I appreciate him. Anybody, I guess we could throw out, you know, Mr. Darth Vader himself. James Earl Jones Jones. did an excellent job commanding the room every single time. I don't think anybody could do a a king voice better. As a matter of fact, he he was the king. He was Lion King. Exactly. That's Mufasa. Mufasa himself. And both Uh, both of them played both roles. That's right. They played the mom and the dad in this movie and the mom and the dad in Lion King. Exactly. A lot of admiration for him. So does anybody have any really kept their attention? I kind of like say half stole the movie or like really caught your attention throughout the movie. Anybody? Yeah. Eric LaSalle and Frankie Faison really stick out to me in this movie. Eric LaSalle, you know, he played a little jackass boyfriend. But, you know, every time Eric LaSalle was on the screen, you wanted to see what was going on. It wasn't just about the Jerry curl. Here comes Daryl again. Let's see what kind of dick shit he going to do this time. He he grabbed my attention. It was really cool to see him get his comeuppance after he was just real ignorant and said, how you going to announce an engagement to a girl you ain't even asked her yet? So I was like, well, that's how you just lost your girlfriend. She out of here. But then got with the little sister. So he still ended the movie being trifling. <laughs> But so Eric LaSalle and then Frankie Faison playing the landlord. The sleaziness of 
getting Eddie and Arsenio into the place. Uh, even telling the boys straight up, oh, this is a real shithole. <laughs> to, just like I said with Derek earlier, that was one of my favorite moments in the film, too, when the dude tossed himself down the steps. Your wrist do, motherfucker. You ain't drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then just, what was it, when the, when the king came looking for him? And my man was just chillaxing in the hot tub. Him don't stay here no more. <laughs> Upstairs. So Frankie Faison, Eric LaSalle, two of my, my, my favorite non-Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall characters from the film. Well, I introduced Faison because he did deliver one of the lines I do quote on a daily. It's a damn shame what they did to that dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I quote that line about a lot of stuff. It's a damn shame what they did to that. <laughs> like and I think about it. It's like I, I never really realized how much I quote this movie until I really watched it and took yep. notes. Was like I say that every day. That's yeah. true. King Joffy Joe Fred. Just, just because he he was that guy who gave no fucks and he was totally out of touch with reality. He was mm-hmm. so out of touch that it was it was funny. He would just walk in there super disrespectful. You may enter. You are not a king. I know that. What is this? A photograph. What is this? McDowell's. It's a place over on Queens Boulevard. I think he works there. My son works. <laughs> ah! Your Majesty. What are you doing here? I received your telegram. What is a king? He went out. So how is your flight? Comfortable, I trust? Your only job was to look after Akeem. How could you let him come to such a pass? Akeem will not listen to me. He's gone quite mad, Your Majesty. Semi, you have disgraced yourself, and you must be punished. You will confine yourself to our royal suite at the Waldorf Astoria, and see that he puts on some decent attire. And I want you to bathe him thoroughly. Oh, thank you, Your Majesty. And my favorite <laughs> scene of his, well, it was a couple of them, but my favorite scene, like the most memorable for me, was when he finally pissed off Cleo. And after Cleo bending over backwards, yeah. you know, trying to get him to like his daughter. And he he finally pissed him off. And Cleo's like, yo, I don't care what you are, I'm a, whatever, break your neck, something like that. He's like, oh, <laughs> like the, the like the, the the way he just kind of switches up, like he feels like he could whoop everybody's ass in the world, <laughs> you know, either pay him off or whoop their ass. Like he felt like he could do one or the other. So his character was hilarious for that for that one reason to me. My man said, "I will stick my foot up your royal ass," <laughs> and the king froze. <laughs> I was, I was like, damn. Man, that, that boy came in popping big shit though. <laughs> I was just talking, he was talking mad shit. shit. See, bro, he's like, "Yo, you can't buy my daughter." <laughs> King was like, "Please, <laughs> I got <laughs> coin, two million, and go somewhere." <laughs> I got coin, bro. We got our face on money. I can buy her. That shit was wild. I will probably have to go with James Earl Jones as well because he. He gave me some real depth, like even in the limited time that he's on screen. 
because he's only really in the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. But because of his presence at the beginning, it's kind of just like carrying throughout because they're scared for their father to find out anything. They don't, I mean, they don't want the king to find out anything. And so once it gets to the point where he shows up, it doesn't even feel like he's been gone the whole time. It's like, oh, yeah. I forgot you was right there. Very commanding presence. And of course, he said, do not alert him. I do not want him to know my presence. And that, that is a nod to him being Darth Vader. Yeah. And the fact that they threw that little Easter egg in there, I was like, these guys are really good at writing. And it was like, I love the fact that he was able to deliver it. And then anybody else that watched that movie was like, oh, you know what? You might have to go back and watch something real quick. Because that, that dude has a, the, I feel like he got the best voice, you know, as far as acting goes. I will say that because even at, at 80 years old, he's still killing it out here. So I, I'm very much appreciative. I'm just, I actually went to go research him in preparation for the show. Because I was like, you know, I don't, we talk about him a lot, but we don't really talk about him a lot. Like, mm-hmm. what's the, like the things that we really know about him? So it's uh, it's really good to like make sure I throw some more flowers out there for him. Yo, just just on that same wavelength of kind of appreciating James Earl Jones, I feel like a lot of his roles that he's known for, like we can talk about him in this movie, we can talk about him in The Lion King, in Star Wars. Like, he makes the most impact in limited screen time than anybody that I know. Like, if you just think about, now, I don't know the total time frame. I don't know if anybody, I'm pretty sure somebody has put it together. But I do know, as big as that character Darth Vader is in those first three movies, he only had 34 minutes of screen time. And you talking about three movies in the late 70s to early 80s that were over two hours long. You know, same with The Lion King. He, he's, he starts The Lion King and he's gone. And just like you said in this movie, he's in the beginning, comes back at the end. Really, after they come to the McDowell's, he really don't have that much speaking parts after that. They have a little confrontation in the limousine but after that, you know, we just see him. So right. I, I just like to shout out James Earl Jones. Like he, he just definitely one of the greats that aren't talked about as enough, but just has this iconic aura about him. That all facts. I, I appreciate you saying that, Sean, because it's like I know we we're like getting into 2020, and this has been a tough year already. So it's like making sure we just appreciate everybody while we still got this. Just go say that right there, just because this has definitely been like going back through this movie. It's like, man, we we have had a lot of time with people, so it's like mm-hmm. we really just got to keep enjoying everything we get, man, going forward. So, real quick, go around and do a um, a favorite Arsenio or Eddie Murphy character if we haven't already mentioned it, just to put it on record. I'm of course I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Reverend, and I'm gonna put it right below that. Damn, I'm like, I'm trying to think who's see? thinking the barbershop. <laughs> that was like, it's just so hard. Oh, I can see it. Like, yo, you were about to say something. Like, and then no. he was like, no, nah, I don't know if I want to get that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that one was a little bit hard. I even have, like, two or three nominees. It's still hard for me right now. That's okay. Um, you know, depending on yeah, the day, these can change. It, it can very you know? much change. It can definitely change. Like, because, well, 
I'm just going to put it out there, you know, Reverend Brown is always going to be my favorite Arsenio character from this movie. But if you ask me tomorrow, my favorite Eddie Murphy character might be Randy Watson. But just in this conversation that we're having now, it's like, yo, I'm really feeling Clarence the Barber right now. Like that dude was great. And even, you know, and I can relate to him as a young kid who had an older barber, not as loud and wrong as him, but (laughs) I've seen someone like him in in my life. So I definitely appreciate for today on September 6th, 2020, as we record, Clarence is going to be my favorite Eddie character. And I, like we said earlier, I hope he's still kicking it in 2021 when coming to America it comes out. This is the first movie where Eddie is playing multiple characters, right? Yes. Oh, so iconic. So iconic. I think I really just liked him as the prince. Like, he really played that relatable as, gullible as role of being privileged, having everything handed to him, and but still being wholesome and humble about it. And it's like, he's never been exposed to that before. But somehow this prince who has everything handed to him just wants to be treated as the regular guy, as if he even knows what that means or yeah, for what that means. Now for Arsenio, I'm gonna go with Morris the Barber. I love that. I mean, truly them both Playing barbershop characters was enough for me, but I'm, I'm gonna go with that role too. Well, for me, um, for, I'm gonna start with Arsenio. One of my favorite characters of his, I would go with the ugly girl in the club. <laughs> when he, when he played that ugly girl because he played that role so well. You could see it on Eddie's face that he he actually was disgusting Eddie as he was doing <laughs> because he was like giving them the the old bedroom eyes and kind of reaching in for him. And you see Eddie's face kind of cringing up, like, and he's kind of <laughs> breaking a smile, like breaking character, trying not to laugh in the middle of the scene. So he did that so well. And, and I love the way he played off of himself, <laughs> you know, when he kind of does the spit take <laughs> when the girls talk about she want to eat them both up. <laughs> he was, he was, like, just does the whole spit take on it, you know. So it was a small role, but that, that was one of my favorite characters that he did. I wanted to go around real quick. And ask everybody their favorite girl. Who, no, well, no, specifically, which was your favorite set of twins? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, the, I think the I think the the beatboxer was for me. Yes, I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Mees twins were creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My name is Jesus, and I'm the best. All the DJs want to feel my breath. I was gonna try to do the beatbox. I can't do it right now. Nah. <laughs> nah. I can usually do it though. I just didn't drink enough water today. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> try to beatbox and freaking choke to death. I hear yeah. Right. <laughs> you have to be fully hydrated for that. Uh, now, I will say this about Arsenio. I might like Semi more than I like Prince Akeem because his acting was a little better and his accent didn't break as much. 
and it's a little bit more believable from Semi because in the moments when things get very intense, it's like he almost seems like he's actually African. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, I was like, mm. are you from there? I was like, you, I, I, I kind of believed it. You know what I'm saying? Because even though it's a fictitious African country, of course, there had, them using African accents is a thing. And of course, we're being black. We get to do that. You know, I don't care what you will say. Y'all okay. can fight me about that if you want. This shit funny. Uh, but him holding that accent up is very much part of the movie early on when they're fighting with the sticks and in the Sam Jackson scene as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's very important that he's able to help Eddie act right in those scenes <clears throat> because it really shows it's in oddly enough is both with the sticks. Um, but it actually shows the connectiveness that, you know, we are truly who we are in any environment. And I don't think it quite works the same if Arsenio does not hit that scene right. I kind of, well, this is not related to Arsenio and Eddie specifically, but I feel like we haven't given any time to Sherry Headley's character, Lisa. So I wanted to talk about Lisa. Now okay. I have some notes on Lisa. Okay. Um, because some of her, you know, scenes were not so great. And <laughs> on top of that, I think she may have had the worst body language reading possible. <laughs> and <Wow>. every scene, <laughs> she just cannot read the body language of the other person at all. Mm-hmm. And it's the only reason why Daryl is able to do anything that he's able to do. Because mm-hmm. she is body language illiterate. <laughs> in every scene it's, it's the most incredible thing I didn't notice that before but in this and I was like oh that's how you do that you just don't pay attention so yeah but go ahead Sean you want to talk more about her I just wanted to put that out there yeah I just I don't know how I feel about her in this film I, I don't know how I feel about her character honestly I would have I wanted to be with the other girl really well that's but then, but then biased. Hey, you know, kind of biased, yeah. but then again, I mean, you knew which, especially in the 80s, hell, 90s, and up until recently, if you saw a light-skinned girl in the film and a dark-skinned girl in the film, you knew who was getting to do, you know, you knew exactly. who was playing which character and which was playing the other one, so you already knew which way it was going to go, where his affection would be, but eh, outside of Lisa being beautiful, and her little speech at at the at, at the at the rally, I I really don't I don't see it. I never I've never seen it. So like you what mesmerized like like I can could yeah I, yeah I, I don't I I couldn't see why it was like dude all that Af- at, at all that African cooch probably thrown at you in Zamunda you ain't never seen somebody that looked like her. Like, I, I just, I don't get Lisa. Let's just put it like this. I've, I've just never gotten her. And she didn't show me enough in the film that my black ass would have been catching cabs and running on uh, subway trains and shit to find ass uh, when my daddy 
tried to make her a hoe. <laughs> we just try to marry her off, man. I mean, I mean, she tried to pay. No, I'm, I mean, she tried to. No, well, I'm talking about Hakeem's dad. Oh, Hakeem. He tried to make her a hoe. Like, I can buy that ass. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, not. I get what you're saying about some specific things about her performance, body language, et cetera. I just never really got a sense of who Lisa was. Hmm, I get it. But if we're going to touch on that black, the uh, her speech at the Black Awareness Rally, like, I didn't even find it all that. Inspired. Me neither. The one line I remember it, I remember from it is we appreciate the change of money that jingles, but we want, we prefer money that folds. Like Mm. that just sounded ungrateful. It did. You know, (laughs) that that, that just sounded ungrateful as as hell, you know, but if, if it was supposed to be, he was enchanted by her beauty or something. I'm like, I had to go back and look at it. I'm like, the second one from the left and the third one from the left. If we're just going from for off of beauty, the models, the second one from the left and the third one from the left, or all, all three of them on the left could easily were easily mm-hmm. better better looking than her. You know, so I'm like, it was it was it what was it based off of? Because you couldn't have just looked at her in that instant and been like, oh my god, she's oh so virtuous. Yeah, she, her personality is amazing because that's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's like love at first sight. It's not based off of you know her virtues and her morals. It's based off of something physical. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I say, and then the whole courtship of her, like just playing to your point, just going off that physical appearance, and then thinking about their interactions after that, when he made a fool of himself in the office. I've just been in char- put in charge of garbage. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. I am Akeem. It's nice to meet you, Akeem. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. Do you have any that requires disposal? No, it's totally empty. Well, when it fills up, don't be afraid to call me. I'll come take it out most urgently. That's good to know. When you think of garbage, think of Akeem. Well, um, I have to get back to my sanitation duties. Maybe we'll have a chance again to talk on a professional level. Goodbye, Akeem. Or them sitting down, eating together in McDowell's, or him at the house waiting on, you know, guests at the little party. Their conversations was mostly about Daryl. I'm sorry. I don't care how fine you are. It wouldn't be be a pull-in type thing for me. Like, I'm not more attractive to you, attracted to you, if all we're doing is talking about your current dude. You know what? The, the, now that you mention it, like the thing that CL was talking about, how she wasn't able to read body language, that made her really good at the part of her character that was kind of di- tip, like tiptoeing, dancing around. I'm not sure if you're into my sister or not. Mm-hmm. It, it made her really good at playing that part, just because she's sitting there, like you know, she keeps on trying to 
trying to throw out the sister to see how he's going to react because she can't read the situation. Oh, I just want to make dinner for you. You know, I feel like I owe you. I want to invite you over to my place to eat dinner. Or, you know, Patricia will be there, uh, whatever the sister's name is. That's why I forgot. Like, oh, she'll, my sister will be there. You know, just kind of, that was real life. That was some real life stuff. You know, you're trying to mm-hmm. gauge to see what the reaction is. That's kind of what somebody would do in real life. So her whole lack of, you know, awareness or whatever, inability to read body language actually made her really good at playing that one part throughout the movie, even when they're on the swing. And you can see that's the moment where they're kind of connecting when she's like venting about Daryl to him on the swing. Mm-hmm. And she's be careful. My sister, I think my sister really likes you. You know, and that that's a real moment right there. That's probably yeah. happened to everyone at some point, you know, when you're dealing with someone who wants to see how interested you are in another person. So that's something I feel like she did really well. So what you're saying is that Lisa gave this big moving speech at the Black Awareness Rally, yet she had no awareness herself. (laughs) That is correct. She has no awareness about anyone's actions and intent. (laughs) Like, lady, like they looking you in the eye. And telling you what they really thinking, and you still can't see. Mm-hmm. So it it was perfect because it it made her ridiculous enough that it it doesn't really happen until it really comes out of Akeem's mouth that he's a prince because he starts talking like it, and it's like you like you're not really like most dudes. And then that's when she finally can get interested in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but just seeing him and talking to him, you know. On an everyday, it just it just didn't click. Nothing clicked with her, and so I I don't know it for her. I I guess she just I guess they built her up to be the type of person that will only respond to like like real deal intellect or somebody who was sharp, and there was no and that was the only thing that she could really get to. Interesting choice though. I I didn't think about it until I watched it a few nights ago. She's your She's your queen to be a vision of perfection, an object of affection to quench your royal fire completely. Are you, how do you feel about the fact that they are making a part two to this movie? I say it's about damn time. You know, um, I love the first one. And as you were, if you guys remember from the last podcast, I love a good sequel. Think of the first podcast. Like, I love a good sequel. You know, um, I don't care if it's as good as the first coming to America. I don't care if it's better. You know, I just wanted the continuation. I want to know what happened yeah. to Prince Hakeem. 
you know, and, and the semi and, and all of the people. I want to see how the characters develop, how, where are they going to go with the story now that they're back in Zamunda? Because mm-hmm. you can't really take the same angle. You know, you're going to have to come with something different. So I want to see where they're going to go with it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to, mm, y'all know how I feel about sequels. Oh, got a little bit of anxiety thinking about it, to be honest. But um, I think it's in a good way, though. I think I'm ready for a part two. I'm ready. But I am curious to see, like, our, what timeline they're going to take the sequel with. Are they going to still kind of play like it was back in the day? Are they going to make it more modern? Like, what's everything going to look out? Um, not look out, but look like and how it's going to plan out. So, When you say time frame, you mean like the time period that the film takes place in? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be in the present. Yeah, because everybody's old. Yeah. Yeah, it would have to. <laughs> it would have to. Like, how old are they going to be? Like, how old are we... How old are we aging everybody now? No, current age. Well, how old was Eddie? Was Eddie actually 21 when he made the first one? Was he close to it? No, he was, yeah. No, he had to be in his late 20s at that point because I think Eddie was 21 when he made 48 hours and that was 82. Okay, so then it wouldn't be that far off if they just aged in real time. Mm -hmm. So they could do it. You have to do it in the present. Like I know with CGI and all that other shit, you can make people younger and everything. But I'm not doing really... the Irishman. Yeah, not doing... I, I'm not trying to see James Earl Jones twenty years younger. You know what I mean? I don't want to see him in the year two thousand. Just just make him twenty twenty the king. I mean, he still ain't the oldest person in royalty in the world because Queen Elizabeth damn near one hundred and fifty years old and she's still kicking it. And she got Joe Louis feet, huh? Bruh, show do, man. She done had, she done box with Joe Lewis, had dinner with God, all this shit. She still. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, my thoughts with the sequel, just kind of going off what Derek said, I'm just interested in seeing where people are. I want to know why Fancy is still a rose bearer. Like, you didn't have no skills. Promotion? Yeah, you, you, are, you, are you the chief rose bearer now? Are you hiring the girls, recruiting them? Like, why are you still a rose bearer in 2020 when you were just a rose bearer in 1988? I want to know about that. (laughs) And just just interesting to see how people are. Just some of the things that I've heard about the movie, like, I want to know why people are where they are because I feel like they said that... From what I've read about the film, I feel like Hakeem and Lisa are separated. Mm. Mm. Maybe that's just how I took it. But so here's the premise of the film. I just pulled it up. So set after the events of the first film, former Prince Hakeem Jofer is set to become king of Zamunda when he discovers he has a son he never knew about in America, a street-savvy Queens native named Lavelle. Honoring his royal father's dying wish to groom his son as the crown prince, Hakeem and Semi set off to America once again. So, so, hmm. we, know, so we know they they're killing James Earl Jones off. So that's going to happen. That was expected. 
we also know that Leslie Jones is in this film. Bro, this cast is incredible. I'm I'm reading the cast but, like get out of here. Son. But look, Leslie Jones plays the long lost son's mom. But how? See, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, so when, how old is this son? When did Hakeem and Lavelle's mom hook up? Did, the only way they could make did that they work hook is up? If they That's yeah, right. Yeah. If they, they had if to they, have him and Lisa separate, then kind of go out there and sow his royal oaks and come on back to Zamunda, but then he didn't know. That's that's kind of what that sounds like. So uh, did so in the first movie, did he come and one of those deleted scenes that we don't know about? Did he knock up Leslie Jones before he went to the awareness rally? Like I just got questions, and I want to know why Louis Anderson still works at McDowell's. Hello, hi. You know, I started on cleanup just like you guys, but now, see, I'm washing lettuce. Soon I'll be on fries. Then the grill. A year or two, I make assistant manager. And that's where the big bucks start rolling in. Just two years, eh? Well, I guess because we don't know the age of the son right now. That, that's, yeah. Because the son could be like 21 and could be born in like 94 or whatever. I don't even know how all these. I'm 30, so I was born in 89. That's all mm-hmm. I know. I don't know how old y'all is. But, uh, so I'm just doing the math quick and I'm like, yeah, you could have a son that's grown and probably born in the early 90s. Um, so that I think they could pull it off. I don't, I don't really see any hops, especially if they, they put into the setup that him and Lisa already split up. Yeah, that, they shouldn't have any problem threading that needle. And because they it's the same writing crew, Mm-hmm. You know, nobody has changed seats as far as it comes to putting the story together. I don't really see them having a problem making it work. I'm I'm excited. I can't I am too. I I just can't wait for a trailer to drop. I think the trailer is gonna give us some answers. But I am excited to see Wesley Snipes and what he what he did in this film. Man, Wesley Snipes got me so hype and Dolomite. Bruh. I, like that, I wish he was in the first one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh I'm like, where could we have put Wesley Snipes? Like, you know, like I don't know. Like, just just as a thought exercise, like if we would have put Wesley Snipes in the Arsenio role, would that have been, I guess, a better like acting movie, or 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 does Arsenio need it for all the funny? Arsenio needed it for all those characters. I don't think that I don't know. Was I, don't know. I think it's oh. a wash. I think it's a wash, man. Cause Eddie, uh, what you call it? Wesley Snipes could be funny though. Man. I mean, like, he can, he but like, I just don't, I don't, jump. I don't see him being a reverend. I you could. could. Still That's have the thing. I can see him. I can see, see I can see Wesley being the ugly chick at the bar. I can see that. Yeah, he got two on food and all Yeah, that. he got two on food. He did the hell out of that. So <laughs> I can see that. I mean, I can see Wesley being the barber. Yeah. But I could yeah. I just couldn't see I could I can't see the reverend. That's I, I, I could see him being the reverend most of all. <laughs> That's the thing. I could see him they throw him in the cherry curl. I could see Wesley doing that most of all. That's the then I, we are talking in Wesley Snipes in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, this is this is early early Wesley, man. We could it's so, just thinking about it like he it, he almost fits the aesthetic. 
for this movie just uh, on the surface. And it's uh, like, that's why I kind of just thought of it. I'm like, man, maybe. But I don't know. It, there's really no room to add him. So you would have to take somebody out to put him in. But yeah, I, I can't wait to see what he does in the new one. I'm with you on that. God, man, I just pulled up Wesley Snipes filmography. And the dude just... He putting in that work, man. God, man. Yeah, like, he, he had like four minor roles from 86 to 87. So Wesley's first big, big role was 89 in Major League. Huh. So I don't think he was known like that. Wasn't on the scene like that yet. Yeah. He, Willie he, Mays. But then he just, he just, after that, it was banger after banger. Major League, yeah. Mo Better Blues, King of New York, New Jack City, Jungle Fever, White Man Can't Jump. Passenger 57. Halt! You dumb fuck! What does dumb fuck mean? Okay, man. So, I feel like, man, we really did a good job covering this movie from front to back. Is anybody have anything we missed or they want to mention about the movie before we get out of here? Before we get out of here, let's kind of talk about the end, ending a little bit. Okay. I um, just want to get a little feedback on how folks felt about the film coming to a close. Uh, this movie is a little under two hours long. It don't. It doesn't really feel like that. It don't feel like that at it all. Don't feel like it at it all. Like yeah. Great quick pace for a movie. Uh, yeah, I felt like it had good pace, and then we get to the space where shit is really jumping off once the king comes back to well, comes to America. Uh, no pun intended. You know, has that conflict at the McDowell's house, and then Hakeem comes in, sees that Lisa's not there. Then he gives chase, finds her in the subway. He's about to renounce his royal throne and give it all away for her. And she turned him down. But then I feel like that's when shit really shifted after that, because you immediately have them leaving. Semi cracked me up in a in a in a limo. My man heartbroken. And Semi was like, Well, at least we learned how to make French fries. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> Like, I don't want to hear that right yeah, now. I would have kicked them out right there. Like, you get in the other car, bro. And then we have the confrontation in the limo between King and the Queen. And literally, those are the last voices that we hear in the movie. Everything else is just seen and immediately goes to the wedding. I don't know about y'all, but as soon as I saw the gown, I knew it was her. Mm-hmm. How? How? Yeah. First of all, Vanessa Bell Calloway is a fine chocolate sister. And what I saw, even all the way to the back, is you saw the dress and you saw light skin. Let me go uh, back. Uh, I seen that light skin ass through that damn, <laughs> that damn dress. <laughs> like, so, so there was no surprise, at least for me. I'm not trying to say, you know, I know other people have different thoughts. That's so why I wanted to get y'all's opinion but i knew it was her because i could see the light skin yeah, are you I, like looking it up right now i am let me let me go back and not say that well those weren't the last speaking words hakeem and and lisa did have some dialogue in, i won't say that but in the uh mm-hmm. at the end which i kind of felt was unnecessary i guess because it's really not mem- memorable it was like oh you gave all this up for me yeah, we can do it now. Nah, that was it. It was a throw, throwaway dialogue. It was a throwaway dialogue. Yeah. 
cool little way to end it. Yeah, yeah cool. So, yeah, cool how y'all feel party. about the ending? One, one thing for me about the ending, I don't remember seeing the sister in it. At, at she the wasn't. She wasn't in so the ending. For me, I'm like, that, to me, that said a lot. I was like, damn, the sister was really feeling some kind of way that mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, Lisa got the got the prince. So, but why does she always get the good ones? Meanwhile, she was just ready to throw his throw his ass away when she thought Simi was the prince. Exactly. <laughs> you know. So to me, that said a lot that she wasn't even in the ending scene. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that was the one thing that always stood out to me about the ending. I'm like, damn, the sister ain't even ain't even show up. Nope. To her own sister's wedding. Show up, probably wasn't invited because she True. did. She did try probably. to fuck with Derek. Derek, Daryl, Daryl. No, she ain't fuck with me. Sherelle, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you found it yet? I'm getting there. I'm getting well, I'm gonna say this about the, the end. I, I guess it just tied a bow on the movie, mm-hmm. but it didn't make me feel any type of way. Like it didn't make me say that was a great ending. I didn't say I kind of could do without her. Nah, I didn't like that. Like it just she did. I feel like they could have. Tried it a couple more times, like nah, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. But that man, <laughs> like I just yeah. hit my ears wrong every time <laughs> I hear it. Like that's the only thing I don't like that. But everything else is like okay, whatever. Tie bowl on it. Let's get out. Let's get out of here and go home. Still looking for a Sherelle. Okay, it's, so you really can't tell light skin from the back. Stop it. Just, just stop it. You really can't tell that she's that. No. I'm not buying it. I'm watching. I'm not buying it. No, your ass is just looking a little too hard. That's that's what your ass. Is it's like right there. I don't see how. Hard. It's not until she gets up closer, then you like, all right. Nah, homie, you can tell. Good, that she's white skin. Now you can tell. Now mm-hmm. you can tell. You know what? Don't worry about it. But don't worry about it. It's my turn. Look. <laughs> my turn to talk about how I feel about yeah. the ending. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we, we we might we might need to fight on this because I'm telling you. Okay, so if y'all can if y'all can visualize it real quick. Oh my gosh, yo! <laughs> so y'all know the whole the organs start playing, all right? And they and you see the little they show the little the palace, and then I think it kind of it cuts away immediately to her, and she's all the way in the back. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sherelle. Because you got it up on the screen right now, okay? So Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. The first time you see her, you can see her arms crossed in front of her, correct? Correct. That ain't Vanessa Bell Calloway. Bro, you can't tell until she says walking towards her. She'll look darker than that. No, can't tell until she says walking towards I would feel you if she was completely covered up, but I'm literally on screen. I can look at it on my computer screen. I can take it on my 32-inch, 40-inch, 72-inch. It's all light skin. I'm not sure. I don't know. Then we're going to cut away back at the prints. Girl, you wrong. It's okay. Go ahead, Sherelle. Talk talk about the ending. Talk talk about the ending. So we we know you're wrong on this. I'm going into semantics. (laughs) All right, so... I love the ending. I don't really think there's anything I would have done differently for it. It gave me what I needed. I wasn't left wanting more. Definitely not a sequel, but you guys know how I feel about sequels. So it was cute. It was a cute ending to a rom com. Like, what more did y'all want? Sherelle's blind. You know what? 
I'm, I'm sorry, fellas. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, Derek, I mean, y'all agreed. Y'all, y'all just knew. Y'all just knew it was her. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't know from looking at the dress. I just, from, like, it's, the way I look at it is, okay, it's a common sense thing. Like, it's a rom-com. They got to make it it's have a, a happy ending. Yeah. So, I'm like, it's got to be her. The movie thinks no. it's supposed to be her. Oh, okay. So, we're, you know, I can ride with the common sense thing. The Ooh, whole, wow. nah, I started shorty when she was walking down the aisle. No, but it's, 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 it's kind of the same thinking of Derek and CL. It's like, I expected them to make it right. But for me, even watching this as a little kid, my the first thing that came to my mind when I saw the scene was like, oh, it's her. You just completely, I wanted the suspense to build, you know, until the reveal. But then what I saw when the dress was first on screen, I was like, you just gave it away. And so now, now that I know, I'm just waiting to see how it plays out. And actually, I will give you props. I like it. I like how it played out. You know, he finds out that it's her. He has this look like he just seen a titty for the first time in his life. And, you know, they <laughs> kiss. And then you just get that one more moment with uh, Paul Bate. Your Highness, I don't think it's that time. Yet. That, was, that was cool. But for me, it just kind of took the suspense when I saw her hands. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. you're you not Vanessa Bell. You know what? I did have something real quick for you guys before we head off this. How did y'all feel about Eddie doing white face? He wasn't white face. He was Jewish. He was Jewish face. It was Jewish. <laughs> but you know, it was big. That was kind of like a oh, y'all can do black people do white face. I think I got something. The writer actually said that in a note that um it was kind of a get back to the Jewish comics from back in the day what? who used to do black face. So it was a little intentional, like, <laughs> you know, so yeah, you, you, you hit on that, you know, and I was, I, I was fine with it. Was too. By far, this is probably one of everyone on the shows, what top five movies easily. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. <laughs> okay. So we're going to, we're going to put, Coming to America in the Madcap Review Hall of Fame right now. Oh, definitely. I feel it's like this, this, this gets Mount image Rushmore. awards. This gets image you know, awards across the board. This is a, this sure. is an image award winner, <laughs> all time, lifetime achievement, like the whole nine. <laughs> like this, get every award that you could possibly give it. So to be clear. Coming to America goes into the Madcap Hall of Fame. We didn't go over the award selection process, but we all gave the film an image award. We'll definitely be keeping track of the awards we give each film. And like Coming to America, a movie will go into the Madcap Hall of Fame. All the hosts give it an image award. Next up, we have 1991's New Jack City, starring Wesley Snipes, Alan Payne, Ice-T, Chris Rock, Judd Nelson, Mario Van Peoples, Bill Nunn, Bill Cobbs, classic movie, stacked cast, can't wait to get in. We're finally up on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Head over to our Anchor profile at anchor.fm slash madcappod. You'll find the links to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Google, and Apple, as well as other outlets. Give us a five-star review, and we'll shout you out on the show. Follow us on IG at MadcapPod. 
let us know your feedback tell us how you like this episode we'll definitely try to mix in things like this with future episodes until next time for my host cl derek Sherell, this is your boy sean and the crew will be back next week with new jack city oh and make sure you stay into the end of the trailer i have a very special surprise for everyone at the end you don't want to miss it peace Living, living, living just enough. Wesley Snipes. We will own the city. Ice Tea. Alan Payne. Chris Rock. Mario Van Peebles, Christopher Williams, Vanessa Williams, Tracy Camilla Johns, and Judd Nelson. This is Detective Nick Peretti, big crazy jarhead, motorcycle freak, reject cop, just like you, Scotty. On the streets, there's a fine line between wrong and right, good and bad, between those who enforce the law it is a war out there. And those who break it. Gone are the days of selling on the street corners, dark alleyways in the back rooms of some bummy-ass bar. We ain't with that no more. In a city where survival depends on friends. It's always business, never personal. On family. We got to look out for one another. On trust. On loyalty. On power. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am! A family out to run a city are up against cops who know its streets. This ain't business. This is personal. This is big business. This is the American way. City. Stop right there. Listen, stop right there a minute. Man goes into a restaurant. You listening? A man goes into a restaurant. He sits down, he's having a bowl of soup. He says to the waiter, waiter, come, taste the soup. Waiter says, is there something wrong with the soup? He says, taste the soup. He says, is there something wrong with the soup? Is the soup too hot? He says, will you taste the soup? It's wrong. Is the soup too cold? Will you just taste the soup? All right, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha. <laughs> what do you know from funny, you bastard? All right, that was the Mad Cat Movie Review Podcast. I very much do appreciate you for listening. If you want to follow any of us from the show or subscribe to the podcast, check out the show notes. And, of course, you can always go to the rundown.com. That's D-A-Rundown.com. Got to know that if you want to get any and every information and if you want to be on the show or get in contact with me hit me up cl at the rundown.com and i am out here peace this is the rundown this is the rundown